0: Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. Once again, we're back at it again, and... This week's show is brought to you by JM4 Tactical. Once again, if you didn't know, JM4 Tactical actually sponsors me in competition shooting, and they are the proud sponsors of this week's show. Head on over to jm4tactical.com and see what all they have as far as your holster needs. So they have that magnet holster that can go on any type of pants or jacket that you wear with the magnet assembly. And then you have the relic series. So I actually use the relic series in competition. And depending on what firearm I'm carrying with me that day, I have different versions of the holsters with the magnet. So head on over to jam4tactical.com and check out what all they have to offer you. Now, everybody already knows who the co host is, but I have to let y'all know I swear I'm about to get rockstar fired i'd be calling and texting all day every day she'd be begging me to stop turning off her phone i think i might have found her work phone number to continue the (laughs) harassment (laughs) but i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep doing this so without further ado bringing forth the one the only the lovely Rockstar. What's going on with you there, Rockstar? <laughs>
1: oh, you know, just getting through another week. I can't believe it's uh like it's flown by and I feel like I still need more hours in my day to get all the stuff done I need to get done. But it's been uh it's been good, it's been productive. It's finally getting cold here. It's like in the 40s, so it's my extended fall, I think, is coming to an end. <laughs> Man,
0: um now one thing I can't agree with you, whatever. Happens, and I've always said this since I was maybe 15, 16 years old. After Halloween, it seems like the remainder of the year flies by. And it might have something to do with daylight savings time. I don't know. I never really thought about it. But I've always made the observation that after Halloween, it's like the days go by so much more faster. And then before you know it, we're in a new year.
1: I know. Yes, yeah, so I know, and now it's daylight like savings, so it gets dark out at like 4 30. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, the funny part is now that everything is technology based, so we don't have to really set our clocks anymore, right? So, the computer, the cell phones, you know, what everybody normally reference. but for me, my phone was having issues, and the clock was not you know, automatically going to daylight savings time. So of course, you know, I'm looking at the clock on my stove, the clock on um in my vehicle, <laughs> my watch, and I'm still operating on a regular time. And I'm like, man, what's going on here, right? So I, I was all jacked up for about a day and a half, you know, but I was like, only me, only me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um outside of that, um, how was your weekend?
1: uh well it wasn't great um the jeep is in the shop so <laughs> that's kind of a bummer i know it's getting some work done it needs where it's going it we're going into winter it's like a 10 year old vehicle so it needs some some tlc okay but, i got you on that one i got you on that
0: yeah. one now um it isn't anything major like you hit a deer or anything like that
1: although no. oh, i almost hit a deer um, not last night, but the night before it's, I mean, it's hunting season here and the deer are like crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, <laughs> I can't afford to hit a deer right now because <laughs> I'm not even driving my vehicle. So oh, ugh, yeah. I was,
0: um I went to Atlanta a couple days ago and of course, you know, you're just driving on the interstate and it was right before I got into like the main city. So it was, after Buckhead, or yeah, Buckhead is after Buckhead, but before you get into the city limits of Atlanta. And next thing you know, I just saw a deer hopping across the interstate, <laughs> and then a car hit it, and then it hit the wall and everything. And I just faded over, got in the other lane, and went around it all. Kind of sad moment for the deer, but <laughs> you know how it goes.
1: <laughs> Not the brightest animals.
0: Oh uh, yeah, so um. You have any interesting plans coming up for Thanksgiving? Since that's it's my next birthday Sunday. on
1: Thanksgiving.
0: What? So you actually going <laughs> to, you're going to actually um, eat with family and then go out and party?
1: No, <laughs> I'm going to party the night before and then I'm going to eat all day on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh
0: man, I got you on that. So for me, um, I don't know. It's just, I really don't look at it. i I don't know i just look at the holidays totally different um for me i'll probably just sit at the house and just cook and watch movies unless you know i'm saying some friends come over or something like that but outside of that i really don't do the festive stuff i'll joke around and put stuff up on social media but (laughs) i don't go all out like with the because honestly i think thanksgiving should be an everyday occurrence you know, so sure. like how you invite people to come to your house and eat and everything. Uh, I do that year round, you know, but I've always said right. if somebody knocks on my door hungry, I would never turn them away also. You know, Yeah. so um, but I don't know. But then again, you know, I've already expressed I really don't like anything after August <laughs> holiday-wise. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> it's around my birthday so it's like I get to hang out with my friends and have birthday cake and then celebrate mm. life and all that stuff so there
0: you go so now do I, you prefer I yeah, d- do you prefer birthday cake from the store homemade or ice cream cake
1: I like cheesecake cheesecake okay okay I'm with you on that and I'm my mom fan makes of me a cheesecake nice oh my mom makes me a cheesecake every year for my birthday oh man like, I am I'm, spoiled
0: I'm more along the lines of <laughs> go to Publix get the yellow cake with the white icing <laughs> whatever designs you want on that's it. the best
1: one yeah but it right. has to be yellow cake with white icing I don't exactly agree
0: with that. Yep. yeah yeah so I'm not I'm big on chocolate so I like vanilla over chocolate
1: so. yeah same here yeah. I like chocolate it's if it's if I'm in the mood for it and it's really good, I like it. But I, it's not something I would pick a yellow cake almost always over a chocolate cake.
0: Okay. Okay. Usually. Well, well I'm always going to choose cake over. I, I don't like paws either. I'm not a pie person.
1: Yeah, man. yeah So, so I always okay. choose the cakes. Yeah, yeah. Cupcakes I would and, pick cake over pie yeah, for sure.
0: I'm the same boat. So let's go ahead and um, jump into a quick commercial break and let's come on back and let's discuss um, that um, two-way decision that we started talking on last week. And even though it's not concluded in court yet, so let's put that out there so nobody thinks we're thinking that it's over with. And then let's talk a little bit about the um, what's going on in court with Rittenhouse also. All right. So um, Everybody, if you will, um, stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors.
2: Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org.
0: What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m. Wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M tactical.
3: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked-up prices that come with a brick-and-mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon.
4: Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from nine millimeter 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at outdoordynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with outdoordynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have.
5: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models Fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. All right,
0: good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And one thing I forgot to do at the beginning of the intro of the show Was to thank everybody who listens to us around the world. So um, I'm hoping somebody reaches out to us and Colombia, Brazil, um, wants us to come there and actually do um, one of a few episodes of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Um, Let's take it on the road, but let's go on international front of it. So (laughs) maybe somebody will put that in motion, and we can make it happen. Now, before we went to the commercial break, we did actually discuss a conversation we had last week talking about the 2 A decision, and then when I was talking with you earlier in the week, um, we actually said that we was going to bring up the Rittenhouse um, conversation. So which one would you like to tackle first, Rittenhouse or the Supreme Court?
1: Um, Let's finish up our conversation about the Supreme Court.
0: Okay. So now, what is your stance of what's going on since it's still in court, and everybody's making predictions off of what they heard, what they read, and all the discussion amongst the justices and the representing um, lawyers?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of things. So it's been, what, almost 10 years since the last time the court has heard a major Two a case, at least something like of this magnitude. So that's kind of interesting. Um, The main argument is about New York and their uh, concealed carry laws that are currently on the book. And everyone's, I guess, getting excited, maybe prematurely, that it seems like the justices are inclined to strike down parts of it calling it unconstitutional but there are some points of contention mainly that they're open to discussing um if that right to carry a firearm can be limited in any way in what they're calling like sensitive areas so places that are um like highly populated is one and then um well, there was one other thing that was the big one though oh i think it had to do like sporting events So like you know heavily populated areas and like you know oh, stadiums yeah, know. and things like that yeah. Um, yeah
0: you're talking about the um the argument that they was making about um sensitive areas and um areas where it's like yeah, um, yeah. a court courthouse would be a sensitive area and right. um, the baseball stadium will be a populous area or a parade to yes. be a populous area.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, Justice Roberts and Kavanaugh are kind of the, I guess, the leading voices that people are sort of rallying behind and really hoping that we'll see some, you know, forward progress for, <laughs> for the 2A community. Um, so New York basically passed their their current framework back in 1913, um, so it's been on the books for quite some time, and um, I don't actually know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, you know, the optimist in me is like, yeah, I think we've got a good chance of, of really making some progress and getting parts of this struck down and, and really calling it an unconstitutional law, but... Um, I don't know. I, it's like, it's so hard to tell right now. It's like the court has been fairly laissez-faire in some other rulings. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they actually kind of take a stand with this or if they just sort of, you know, keep the status quo.
0: Well, honestly, if it made it to the Supreme court, it's going to change a lot of things. And I say that because we already know if it goes one way, right? Of course, people are gonna grab onto it and run with it, do whatever they wanna do for political reasons. If it goes the other way, people are gonna do the same exact thing. So we already know that's gonna happen. But you don't really hope that it gets changed to the fact that if this is easily changed, now it can alter everything else, like the freedom of speech. You know what I'm saying? So we want to be careful about that or changing the 25th Amendment. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't know what 25th Amendment is, go ahead and look it up. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking, and this is just me thinking, right? So we got to uh, think about it. When they present it in the court, it has to go back to the forefathers. So we just can't look at the wording today and say, this is what it meant. All right, so we have to come up with some type of structural base of what the founding father's intention of this amendment, you know, was implied. So now, when you do that, and you look at history, and we already know a law is already made in respect to something already happening. So it's like a reaction to something that's already happened, so it doesn't happen again, or there's no misinterpretation of something like that happening again. So now we got to hit the history books. So you always hear people saying this within the two-way community, a small pocket of people, that the Second Amendment um, is is biased against certain groups of people. Because you got to think during that time period, slavery was still intact. And the police force was originally the slave catchers. So when the slaves were, you know, escaping and trying to get away, you had those patrols of slave catchers in between the cities and everything. I think that's going to be an argument that's got to be presented also. Because now if you take the history aspect out of it, Now you're just doing what you're doing from a political standpoint for your personal reasons, you know, and you have to weigh everything and look at how everything was shaped throughout history up until now. You know, so even look at it from the standpoint of Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Jr., When he was doing all the civil rights movement actions, he applied, I think it was 30 times, you know, for a firearms permit in Atlanta, in Georgia. Got denied every time. But (laughs) if somebody was doing some type of job and if there was true equality, as we think it is, How come that wasn't even taken into consideration? You know, so I think the history aspect is going to play into it, but the outcome of the decision of the second amendment based off of the arguments can lead to other things as well, you know, throughout the political realm, which will open the door for possible true equality across the board. You know, at least that's my stance and everything I read, everything I saw. I was like, you got to know where it came from to know where you're going. So you have to talk about the history standpoint and what was his intentions? How was it used? And, you know, because we already know the federal government gives each state's its own leeway to come up with the laws within their boundaries as far as firearms. So, the laws here in South Carolina are totally different than the laws up in Chicago. Totally different from Rhode Island, right? But my driver's license is practically the same regardless of where I go, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's one of those, uh, I think it's gonna be a touchy situation, but what direction are they gonna go? That's the one thing we can't predict, like what direction, they're going to go within the court system. How's the argument going to sway something? What are they going to overlook? Are they willing to touch a certain area? Because as soon as you start touching certain areas, it's going to open doors for that rabbit hole. And it's going to keep going. But then will it be like a stalemate decision? Or will it be something concrete? You know, because I do think it's unfair for the state of New York To have a system, whereas the only way you can get a permit to carry is if you're a millionaire. That's basically what it is. It isn't. Prove to me that you need it for self defense, right? Okay. Well, if I live in this area, you already know this is one of the roughest areas in the city. What more do I need to say? (laughs) Right? Because that chance of me walking down the street, you know, I got a higher percent chance than you walking down the street in your neighborhood of something happening to me, right? Because we don't have the police presence and X, Y, Z. You know, you you can argue that one all day. But like I said, I'm curious to see how this is gonna play out um, in the end, so.
1: I know, me too. Because I do feel like people have a right to protect themselves, like, especially if you're in an area that is high crime, why shouldn't, like, why should the people who are not law-abiding citizens have a leg up on you, you
0: know? Yeah, well, you also got to look at it too. Um, Whenever we keep saying high crime in the news and amongst ourselves, we also have to keep an open mind to the reason why that area is probably high crime is because jobs are not available in that area. So we gotta we gotta weigh everything out, but we also have to make sound decisions. We just can't talk about something and negate everything else that's associated with it. So if this is a problem, what's the solution? All right, high crime area, let's bring more jobs in, keep people busy. Now their interests are being taken care of, families are being taken care of. Now what's next? You know, so that system of putting your foot on somebody's neck okay, we should have been over that many, many moons ago, <laughs> but let's move forward. But how can we move forward, but keep everybody's interest in line versus it being a system of keeping a certain people down? Because that's all the the class system is. When you look at the upper class, the middle class, the lower class, that's nothing more than, okay, I got to keep somebody down so I can have this class system. And then you know, that's where capitalism really manifests. So at least that's my take on it. Well, that's what I learned in school. (laughs) (laughs) But now, do you think this decision within the court system, it could possibly lead to universal concealed carry if they don't say concealed carry is unconstitutional? I don't
1: know. Um, I mean, I don't even think, Well, I don't think that there should even, like, you should just be able, the whole reason of, like, having permits and all, very anti-government everything, like, if you haven't gathered that I'm, like, an anti-statist, I'm an anti-government program, I'm an anti, I don't like the government, I want to make my own decisions and I don't want them in my life, Um, so, I mean, I don't agree with the fact that there's a lot of permits, I mean, I understand why there is, because People are inherently stupid, so they need to sort of prove their worth on certain things. But by and large, I don't think that like a lot of these license programs that we haven't stated are necessary. and It's just another revenue generator for Uncle Sam and a way to keep people out of, you know, owning things yeah. or doing things. Um, so yeah. So I mean, I think everybody should have a right to carry a gun, wherever and whenever they want and i think if we had better you know we're sending kids to public schools why aren't they learning all of the things that are outlined in the constitution why aren't they learning about free speech why aren't they learning about firearms why aren't they learning about how our government functions and operates you know like none of that's happening because that's not what it's about right like you go through school that's an indoctrination system to get you to work for the system, a business and pay taxes for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> right. So now, let's let's back up a little bit. Um, I won't say people are inherently stupid. I will actually say people don't know, or they have a false belief of what they're capable of, or what it is they're looking at. So let's look at firearms. Because we can go down a rabbit hole many different avenues with this. But let's just look at firearms. How many people do you think, or how many people do you know think that if they just have a firearm, they can protect themselves? Right? Of course, I mean, when,
1: my circle is biased because most of the people that I hang out with that own firearms, they're actively are actively training. So right, I'm a bad correct. example.
0: Right. No, I'm just saying because, you know, my, my friend level is mixed. So, I mean, I can say the same thing, you know, like um, right. my gun friends, all of us do this week in, week out. We go to training depending on what circle of friends I'm hanging out with. But then I also have another group of friends that have the firearm at home ride with it in the vehicle, but they don't advertise that, hey, I have this, but I have it just in case. But at the same time, a lot of those people, my friends, think that just because they have a firearm, they can pull it out and it's going to deter the threat or they can magically just do whatever they think they can do with that firearm, right? So obviously the person that's training Is going to be a little bit more conditioned to handle that situation. But just talking with a lot of people, I'm like, you're going to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else because I mean, I do have some friends that I honestly think if something was to happen now, they're going to close their eyes and just spray and pray and just go anywhere. (laughs) Right? right? And I mean, like, honestly, think about it, you know? So, The system in South Carolina that in order to get your CWP, you have to sit through like a six hour class, right? So you're going over the laws and then the one portion at the end or at the beginning, depending on the instructor, you do the shooting proficiency test. And a lot of instructors don't take that serious, you know? And one thing, South Carolina, they keep changing it, right? So one point they say, okay, this is a divine divine test that, you're going to do it like this, right? Distances and time. Now it's it was up to the instructor, <laughs> you know? So it varies. But like I said, a lot of instructors don't take it serious. Now, at the time when the pandemic first started out, there was instructors just popping up out of the blue. And of course, when this takes place, it's almost like the hustle. People only doing it. Because they're only regurgitating what they heard somebody else say, or they go on YouTube and, okay, this is easier than what it is. But when you sit down and really break it down, right, how many of those instructors actually understand there's three ways to teach somebody, but somebody is gonna be better at one of the three ways of comprehension? Now, you as an instructor, you have to figure out how you're gonna make that connection because you can sit there all day and say, the four firearm safety rules are, But if the person don't get it, now you gotta get creative to make them understand it. So you're reaching your point and they're reaching their point of understanding, you know? So I'm appreciative of what South Carolina has in place. And it's kind of reassuring, even if you were to see somebody walking around in open um, configuration in South Carolina, but in South Carolina, you can open carry, but you have to have your CWP. And for that to take place, that actually says, oh, you went through a six-hour block of training. I don't know the validity of the instructor you went through because you're not wearing a shirt that says, hey, I went to this instructor, (laughs) right? But it's almost reassuring that, okay, you went through some form of training, but did it stop there or did you continue it or whatever the case may be, you know? And it's just one of those type things. So, now, if they actually say, off of what you said, if they actually say, okay, we're going to get rid of states imposing you to go to a class or whatever, now how many people will go to training to get a possible CWP or stay concurrent with their skill set? You know, so it's, it's like I said, it's going to bounce all over the place, but now we got to formulate a system that will keep everybody in check and in line so we can progress forward. And actions that are being used can't be used against the 2A community for political reasons. Because I do honestly believe people who are actively involved within the 2A community are doing the right thing. And it's an example that's not being used with the media or on the political front.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I think that that's the intentional. But then at the same time, it's like, you're doing, that's what drives me nuts, right? You can do everything right. And it still, it still doesn't count, right? Yes. So then it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> it
0: is. It, it really is. It really is. But like like I said, we can, we can beat that up all day and everybody go down oh, yeah. um, that rabbit hole. But I honestly believe what the, decision that the Supreme Court will make it has to go back to a history standpoint why were certain things placed in accordance with the law according to what the Second Amendment is actually saying and then when those questions get answered I think like I said it's going to open up other doors and we can talk about those other doors when we're not recording
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting case. I would like to see these restrictions rolled back. Um, I would like to give more power back to the individual and, and let them feel that they're able to protect themselves. And I think people, it's interesting, right? Because there's this argument of, is the Second Amendment in place to protect or to allow you to protect yourself from the government or from other people or for both? right and i think that's a an interesting lens to
0: um to view it through okay i agree with that one i agree with that one. so but now we just have to play the hurry up and wait game to see what comes out (laughs) next before they actually make their decision um did you actually come across the time frame when they should be wrapping this up and before they go to a, like their recess period, before they make the decision, because they're not going to make it like right away. It's going to be they're not. Right. It's going to be a couple months.
1: Um, a room is expected by summer of 2022. Okay, so we got time. We're going to be hurrying up and waiting for a while.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it's a delicate matter, so you really don't want to rush the process, but right. you do want a sound decision that's well thought out and they at least touched every avenue they could within reason to go forward, regardless of what decision was made, yeah. you know? Yeah, so um, now let's go ahead and um, let's dance around the Rittenhouse trial. So <laughs> what do you think about that? What did you come up with? What did you find? Because I really didn't research anything on Rittenhouse other than what I hear when my alarm goes off because I get like a news blast, and then a couple of the news shows that I listen to when I'm driving, you know, and I hear them talk about it. And then I think I did like one or two YouTube searches off of, I saw another influencer talking about it. So I just went back to see what everybody was talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, well it's interesting so I was living up in Minnesota when that all happened but it's in it happened in Kenosha which is like an hour south of where I live now and actually my tenants that were um, living in my property at the time were from there and hit the, um, the one guy's dad owned a shop that was kind of like on the strip of all the places that were being vandalized and um yeah so it was like crazy so it was <clears throat> he was down there back and forth and trying to make sure like the family business was still intact and it was just like a very strange and surreal situation um I posted something on Facebook about it in this group that I'm in the other day and I was like um well one I thought it was really interesting how uh, the FBI was taking footage of the event. Um, I don't really? like any of the alphabet agencies. And I'm like, really? We're all just, you know, had your drones out, taking video of what was happening, but you didn't do anything to intervene. You're just collecting footage. Like, that's weird. I don't really like when the government spies on people. And like, well, if you're in a I situation.
0: Would, yeah, I was going to say, I think that if they was actually taking footage... Could that be used later on to say, okay, you destroyed this property, you vandalized this, you stole this. Right. And they come back and yeah. use that. Um, of course, you know they're gonna use it for um training purposes within their own community. But right. um, hmm, that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, like why weren't they if that's if, like are you really just there shooting film? Like, why aren't you doing something else? Like, why aren't you I don't know, the whole All those agencies are all bad news bears in my opinion, but that's a whole other tangent to go down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then I thought it was interesting that they have made such a big deal about this case. I think that's really interesting. There were multiple shootings and riots and people that were shot and killed last summer. in various cities across the u.s and it's why this one like why is this one such a a hot button story um i also think that there's like well one of the things that i kept saying now like well you know he shouldn't have even have been there i'm like well yeah but that's like a moot point because he was there so like now that we have this footage and we're hearing the testimony what do we do about that like yes he shouldn't have been there like if i had a 17 year old child i would not be dropping them off in harm's way you know that's just as strange and like it's a strange parenting tactics in my opinion i don't know why you would bring your kid up to do something like that you know um especially when they're Mm -hmm. underage so that was that there's just a lot of things that are interesting that don't quite add up for me about the case like on a higher level um But I can go more in detail on some other stuff if you want.
0: (laughs) Well, now, going into it, the whole situation of what took place in that area, I will say, I've always said this, and I'm always going to say this, there are a lot of fake patriots out there. And I think a lot of people are just ready to get riled up for no reason without even thinking about the situation. It's just a reason to do something. I mean, even like if something happens within a city and people start looting or whatever, obviously people are gonna do whatever for their personal needs or for their protection. And then it just spirals out of control after that. You know, So is, was his actions that of a fake patriot or was it something of him doing something that is considered being a savior of such? You know, the one thing in the court case, the guy who he shot when they was trying to make him out to be somebody who purposely went down there to kill somebody, you know, the guy did actually state in court he pointed the firearm at him, which kind of vindicated him from being a murderer. So that is right. self defense. That's right? so
1: that's right. Textbook, right?
0: Yeah, correct. <laughs> so you, you can't dispute that one. Now, Even though that was determined, he's not off the hook yet. Right. Right? So now he's off the hook from. I think they said he was going to possibly look at a life sentence if he was convicted of this. So I think the life sentence is off the table now.
1: Yeah.
0: Now you still have to deal with the fact of him being underage. Right. Right. And I think everything. Yeah it's it's a misdemeanor but by him being underage that misdemeanor can cause him to lose his gun rights also, you know, so, um, or the ability to own a firearm moving forward. Right. Right. Unless they put something in there, like he got to do something or, you know, whatever the case may be now, if that's the case, if he happens to lose his rights to, um, own a firearm, that takes military out the question. So now you can't even go into the military. (laughs) Cause you can't shoot yeah. a firearm, you know, um, you can't be a police officer cause you can't own a firearm, you know? Now, um, but you know, like I said, um, other doors are going to open for them also. Mm-hmm. Now, will somebody actually come forth and try to make a movie off of this? Did it have that much impact that it's movie worthy? Right. Because now if they go to get a story and especially with the way the court case went, when people go to talk to him, they're gonna flash money at him, right? If he goes on Good Morning America, I guarantee you, he got paid at least ten to fifteen thousand dollars to appear on Good Morning America. You know, um, local news sources—they're gonna throw cash at him. Everybody's gonna throw cash at him now. So, um, and like I said, that's another door that can possibly open. But him profiting off of a tragedy okay, there's an opportunity, but he has to look out for himself, so he's just taking advantage of the situation. You can't hold that against him. Right, yeah. Yeah, but everything else that went down, I honestly believe if he was convicted, this case would have been used in the ploy by the anti-gun organizations to try to get a foothold of getting rid of firearms in general. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that would have been a nail in a coffin. Or you, know? you just got people running amok, doing whatever, underage. And look, this is what we have, and this is an American citizen X Y Z. You know, like I said, they could just go down that rabbit hole, also. You know, but like I said, it would have been used against the the gun community. You know, so
1: yeah, yeah. It's interesting too how it was. I feel like both sides of the people who were out that night were not doing the best things right like the three guys that were shot by Rittenhouse I mean two of them were mm-hmm. a lot of them were like good people huh, that you deserve to be shot and killed because you're a bad person but it's like okay but then every, it was like literally it was like a game of cops and robbers right you're like real like this is really what we're doing right now you guys are gonna go run amok through the streets and yeah.
0: There was no communication.
1: Yeah, it was like a stupid situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: there there was no communication. You didn't know who was who. Um, Right. If you saw somebody doing something, they didn't, you know, they're they're just going pretty much off of body language. That's pretty much what it all comes down to. And you got to think about it. If somebody goes into an area they're not familiar with or they don't know anybody or the dangerous situation that's present, they're going to react a different way. But then... Human nature is going to take over for the other side. And they're going to look at, oh, that's prey right there. Let's go eat. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So it was just pandemonium. But one thing the cops yeah. did, um, they pushed all that to one central area. And of course, you know, they stayed on the sidelines. And when something happened, because with the written house, they arrested, they didn't arrest him then. What was it like the next day or two days later? something like that
1: yeah or did he turn himself in i can't remember
0: i think when he went home um i can't remember because i thought he got well he had to turn himself in because that's yeah i want to say that's what he said so it was either the next day or two days later i can't remember the time frame you know but either way did he do the right thing or however you want to look at it you know um, but his face was on the news, and that's probably the main reason why he turned himself in because they did right. publicize his face on the news, and they was trying to make him out to be the bad guy and the murderer and everything like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, the one thing I have a question about is you had no business being there. <laughs> right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had no, yeah, you had no business being there. You you came from another state another state. city <laughs> to right. come to this environment and yeah. I think it was they said somebody made a phone call said they knew some people they needed people word got out I, and then people so, flooded in.
1: I think his someone from his family is from Kenosha which is how he like had ties there but it's just, like he didn't live there right you know what I mean it's like and I get the whole like yeah. Oh, like these are my people and I'm trying to help. But I'm like, are you really the person that should come in to be helping? Like you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But,
0: you know, strength is in numbers. And even yeah. think about it when um let's say the civil war, not even the civil war, the um the British war, right? They was taking men at the age of what, 14 15 <laughs> you know, because now it's numbers. Hey, we need people. You know how to pull a trigger? You can look at that. Oh, come on. You're coming with us.
1: Right. You know,
0: same thing. Um, but I think the situation would have been different if he lived there and he was protecting his family's business or right. property. You yeah. know, I think I think it would have been looked at totally different because now it's okay. We all live here. We all work here. This is our livelihood. This is all we have. Right. Family business for 30, 40 years, 50, 100 years, whatever it could have been. And I think that situation would have been totally different. And the way it would have been looked at would have shaped different in the outcome, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Cause you're like, you're protecting your community. You're not just like coming in as hired help from wherever.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, but fortunate. It's a fortunate thing that um, the guy who he shot did tell the truth. He came out, told the truth. And that was a turning point in the case, you know. And the way they was trying to paint the picture, I think they was actually looking, okay, I hope they don't ask certain questions, this, that, or another. Because you know they was going to use the video, and the video kind of paints that picture like, okay, you just run the streets amok, okay, but the one thing that video wasn't showing was he was running for help, (laughs) and then all of a sudden he's getting attacked and almost got hit with a skateboard or a skateboard skateboard yeah, swung on him or something like that.
2: And uh, honestly,
1: I I do think that if they would have disarmed him, they would have shot him and killed him. I think if he would have, you know what I mean, like if they would have gotten his gun away from him, I don't think they would have let him
0: no, so. nah, that, that was a mob mentality right there and exactly you, yeah you're not surviving a mob mentality when stuff got chaotic like that because no people are just doing whatever to stop their version of a perceived threat
4: <laughs> yeah. and
0: that's death you know yeah. it's not oh we're just going to wound you and let you lay right here <laughs> and then somebody help you <laughs> out No, nah, they, they, they go into the next person after they get finished with you so and yeah. Like I said, that's that's pretty scary when you look at it like that, when there's no clear definition of who's doing what, and it's just people just running around doing whatever, and there's a bunch of shouting, and people are just reacting just because. You I know. Mean. So that's, that's pretty scary. So um, you would have thought that once that guy admitted that, the case would have been like, okay, we're going to stop this, you know, and this is how we're going to rule on this, or we're going to say, come up with whatever fines or whatever, based off of this, and this right here is no longer relevant. But they're still going no. forward with it, aren't they?
1: Yeah, well, it ended today. They, they oh, okay. closed there. The rest of the case. Oh, okay.
0: So
1: okay.
0: Yeah. So I
1: think the defense is going to call one more witness, but we'll see what happens.
0: That's a reach now. They're, they're just reaching there. All right, we're going for the head. Yeah, because
1: in my opinion, it's <laughs> kind of over, right? Like, it's yeah. like, okay, but I think I think the case has been made.
0: Yeah. So now will they take it along the route of are the police going to be held accountable? Other people going to be held accountable for what took place in that area? Right. You know, so. Yeah, I think I'm going to dig into it now since you said it's over with to see what I actually came out of it. So, yeah,
1: the yeah. the jury's on break until Monday. They reconvene on Monday. So,
0: hmm, okay, yeah, this would be we'll interesting. We'll see what also. happens. Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead and dive into another commercial break. And when we come back, I did my favorite match of the year, which is a Toys for Tots match that takes place here in Columbia, South Carolina, and. I'm going to bring forth one of my buddies, Ryan Lee, who is also a competition shooter and instructor um, within the Columbia, South Carolina area. And we're going to talk about the match and how was the match, how was the stage and the whole environment, you know, and I think we might be shooting on the same squad. So you won't hear the perspective of, oh, my squad did this or this, you know, if we're on the same squad, you'll hear us going back and forth of what each other done and, why because we actually sit back and talk about stage plans when we're on that same squad you know so um we're going to go ahead and dive into that but before we do that if you will if this is your first time listening to the m-w tactical podcast and you want to find out more about m-w tactical please look me up on youtube and facebook by looking up m-w tactical and if you head on over to instagram tiktok and twitter and look up at m underscore w tactical you can also see what we're putting out for our social media information on those platforms and then you can also visit www.m w tactical.com and see where we're going and what we have coming up next and if you want to get in touch with rockstar you can do so at
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at rockstarburst b-e-r-s-t I'm most active on there I shouldn't post anything in my stories today I uh, (laughs) have been the last couple of I've been quiet I've been really busy you know you can message me things or you know send me funny memes I always appreciate that but I hang out on Instagram the most so find me on there
0: that's it right there then of course you know i did put up the video with phil collins in the air of the night like i said i would once the malfunction stopped <laughs> <laughs> and i tagged you at um, well actually i sent you the video through text messages I, so I, <laughs> 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 I was
1: excited <laughs>
0: yeah i was i was happy that that day happened like that so i'm actually going to start putting up those um videos um probably here in the next day or two also but um And I'm going to do something different with the Toys for Tots match also. So do you have any last closing words you want to say to the good people before we take off?
1: No. No, just enjoy the rest of your week and stay up on the current events. (laughs) There's a lot going on in the world. It feels like it's going a million miles an hour. But, uh, yeah, Yeah. uh, we'll chat with you next time.
0: That's it right there. So, if you will, stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors.
3: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or is sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, Choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org.
6: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Go. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under Scheduled Events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So. Check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon.
5: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, You can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com.
4: Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from nine millimeter 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at outdoordynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with outdoordynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have.
0: All right, good people. We're back at it again. And as I stated to you before the commercial break, I was going to bring somebody who is my buddy, who I shot with, before he had to get deployed over to, well, over the pond, as we will say. And we had good momentum going, and then he had to leave. And then I was like, I was by myself. I didn't have nobody I could bounce ideas off of, but he came back. He's back into the groove of things, and we actually squatted together and shot the Toys for Tots match that happens every year here at Mid-Carolina Rifle Club in Columbia, South Carolina. So without further ado, I want to welcome back my buddy, Ryan Lee, to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's going on with you there, Ryan?
7: Hey, what's happening, Michael? Good seeing you again.
0: Hey, yeah. It's always a pleasure to see you and in your company, man.
7: Absolutely, brother.
0: <laughs> That's how we do it. So, um the last time we had you onto the show like I said you was the one that was pretty much doing the you know decision making far as coaching and teaching me far as what USPSA is and all of a sudden you left so you had to go do your job military related of course and In your absence, like I said, I just started linking up with everybody. So, um, of course, you know, Dave, um, he came and did the co-hosting on the podcast last season. And then um, I was traveling around with Tom Powers for a little bit while he was um, chasing Grandmaster. And, of course, you know, I've always linked up with the Taco Squad, so I'm always going to be with that party of people. And... You know, did a couple of training sessions with Wally. <laughs> like I said, I was all over the place. You know what I'm saying?
7: Yeah, I noticed that while I was going. Like I, of course, I was overseas, but whenever I got a chance, you know, I try to jump onto the podcast and you know see you on social media and everything. I saw, man, you're jumping around, shooting section championships and nationals, and yeah. uh, just kind of kind of spreading around, getting a, a wealth of experience in your uh, in your back pocket to kind of start learning and progressing with.
0: Oh yeah, man. So that's that's what the game is about. It's about learning and pushing yourself further you know but speaking of pushing ourselves further we actually did the toys for tots match and we was on the same squad with each other and of course you know like when i was talking to a couple people a lot of people don't understand the sport of shooting you know and i was just like you know i was telling somebody that i was bringing you onto the podcast and it was like well who's gonna win between you and him and i was like it's not like that he's shooting a different division. But at the same time, even if we were shooting against each other as far as point wise and everything, um, we still help each other out with, okay, have you thought about this or have you considered this? You know, I'm so oh,
7: oh. <laughs> absolutely man. So so don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a very competitive guy. I enjoy the competition. And you know, of course, just like Every time we shoot together and, you know, among the taco squad and everybody, you know, the trash talk is going to go around. But even even if we are in the same division, like uh, I've shot, you know, in the same division with the guys several times and and we're coaching each other. And that's one of the things I love about the sport is we each want to see the other succeed. So even though we're, you know, we're competing head to head, I'm still going to help coach. you. I'm still going to see you when I come off the stage, if I shoot before you, hey, watch out for this. This kind of tripped me up. Right. you know just like we did before the match and all during the match we walked through and stage playing together you know me you the leader of taco squad I'm not going to bring his name onto the show but you know kind of bouncing ideas off what's the best way to shoot this where i save time here and just kind of kind of be a sounding board and that's like i said that's one of the things i really love about sport is while it is a competition it's everybody's there to help each other succeed
0: yeah that's that's really what it's all about it's all about us having fun and learning from each other but pushing each other to that next level right so um like i said it's always a pleasure to shoot with you and um we need to get that momentum going back again but i know it's going to be hard for you for at least a couple of years because you are about to be a daddy a second time
7: a second time yep a i have a I actually have a little boy on the way he's coming in january or actually coming february
0: Oh man, right. it should have been so, January. January is <laughs> my month. So his birthday is January 7. <laughs> so
7: <laughs> that's what yes. it is. So, so at um, least the next few months going to be tied up. You know, won't be able to shoot as many, which, yeah, you know, I, I honestly, since getting back from overseas, uh, I haven't been able to shoot as much because as you remember before I left, man, we were shooting a match every weekend, sometimes two a weekend. Mm-hmm. We were catching the outlaw matches at the indoor ranges in Columbia during the week. And Right. it was just, a, it was a full-time shooting schedule. And since getting back, you know, my civilian career has progressed a little bit. I've actually started uh, doing some instructing on the weekends as well, um, as well as being a dad. Um, so it, it can't shoot as much as we used to kind of got got pulled away from that. But every time we get a chance, get the link up and stay out there, but I can definitely tell the difference. That is something that that's wild is when you're shooting a match every weekend and you're in that full-time match schedule, how you never really develop any rust because even if you're dry firing, you know, you're doing some live fire, there's difference in that and actually shooting a match. Correct. And I can, I can tell a large difference going from, you know, shooting two or three matches a week to shooting one match every, you know, two or three weeks.
0: Right. And um, I've always equated shooting to being one of those type skills. It's just like a foreign language. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I've always uh, like looked at it from that standpoint.
7: And you'll, you'll still retain your basics in it. Mm-hmm. But just keeping, you know, that knife's not gonna stay sharp. Can you cut with it? Yeah. You might have to stroke it a few more times, but it's uh it, it definitely dulls over time.
0: Right. So um let's go ahead and let's talk about this Toys for Tots match. So um for those who, who are unaware of what the Toys for Tots match is here at North Carolina Rifle Club in Columbia, South Carolina, it's a two-day memorial match for past veterans. And there was two members of the club who they put this match on in honor of them who were military veterans. And this right here is the match that brings a lot of people out. It's almost, I would almost say like it is my favorite match of the year, but I can't say it's in line with a sectional or a state match because not that many people come out. It's,
7: but it's not far behind it, though. No, if you really actually look at not. it, it's not. <laughs> it,
0: it really isn't because um, this year it was 118 participants in it. Um, and as this recording is going on, the second day match is still in process right now. So they should be wrapping up here in about another 30 minutes to an hour. But um, when you're looking at it from that standpoint, you know, it's it's a fun match like and this is the first year whereas a couple stages were borderline outlaw in a sense of speaking
7: yeah they, they, they were right close to the line on a couple of them but yeah. th- that's one thing i enjoy about it so the toys for tots match every year it's you're not just going to get your standard typical you know monthly local club stages um they go out all out they usually build new props and they bring a lot of stuff in they open up a seventh bay for shooting and it's a uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy the Toys for Tots match every year, something I look forward to.
0: Yeah, so um, like I said, the members, Ms. Linda and the staff of people who actually helped put that together this year, um, like I said, we really do appreciate the efforts that everybody put in to make another great match for this Memorial Toys for Tots match. I didn't get the opportunity to help out this year as I did last year because um, I had some other stuff going on, you know, and – busy going around traveling and everything, but um, we'll see what takes place next year. But um, looking at the results from yesterday, um, Dave Lyle, you know, the co-host from last season, actually is holding first place as of now until those results come out. Shocker, right? No, nah, nah, I'm looking surprised <laughs> about that. Not at all. Yeah, Dave is really fast, though. Dave is like super fast.
7: He absolutely is. So it's it's pretty much well known that if Dave's at a match anywhere here in the state uh, that you travel to, if Dave's in it, he's in contention to win, uh, open and overall at just about every match he's going to step to at a local level around here, and he also do does well, you know, at the state and sectional level as well. But it pretty much know when I sign up with Dave, I'm gonna be seeing his name up there at the top of the leaderboard.
0: Always, always. I know that. Um, like I said, um, when you when you turn around and you look at him. I want to actually see him shoot with like people like JJ Ricaza, Casey Yasubio, you know, people of that stature on a weekly basis. And um I think that would be very interesting because um I think you just need somebody to push you and that caliber of shooting will actually push him to that next level instead of you know, him just looking for something to push himself within a stage. I I think he needs somebody physically there to help push them to that. Mix.
7: Absolutely. So I've noticed that when he shoots with somebody like Tom Powers, when him mm-hmm. and Tom Powers shoot together, they each mm-hmm. push each other to to a higher standard. You know, competition always breeds better results. And uh, that's why I always, I always get, try to go find out whatever division I'm shooting, find somebody that's above my skill level and mm-hmm. watch them. And for, I mean, for several years, it's been Dave, you know, I mm-hmm. watch his movement and right now that's one thing I watch his videos and I'm picking up from him is uh is his movement and how he's preparing before he leaves position and then as he's coming into it to leave out of that to the next one um and just some small stuff he does that really shaves time off that uh that i want to kind of start start working on now
0: well i mean you had a couple stages um yesterday whereas like when we were sitting off like when i sit there and look at a stage i try to calculate how fast i can actually do a stage and the one stage I said, I, I can probably do it around 23, 20 seconds. I actually did it in 25, but you did that same stage in like 17 seconds.
7: You yeah. So that was, uh, that was stage two. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the second stage. Yeah. I remember that one. Uh, so I really did. So yesterday I came on the uh, first three or four stages, just had a rough time. I had a, something going on in my personal life and I just wasn't there mentally. And that kind of goes to a test to, to how big the mental game is a part of this sport. And then right around stage two, that's when I kind of locked in. is like, Hey, it's, you know, I'm, I'm falling behind. I need to, I need to start shooting to my abilities. And right when I shot that stage at 17 second stage, I was like, okay, I'm locked in. I just got to finish out strong and uh, ended up doing it. Last three stages were really great stages for me. Right. Um, and actually stage after that one stage three, I have the, uh, Second place overall, um, actually third place overall, I'm right behind Dave, even though I shot it a a second quicker than Dave. That major power factor beat me out on it, but uh, that that was my best stage of the day by far. Oh yeah.
0: So um, as we already stated beforehand, this is overall. Dave is um, holding down first spot as of right now. And then Ryan Lee, yourself, um, you're holding down 18th place overall. Right. And right now, I'm in 28th place overall. And um, this is a mixture between limited, single stack, PCC, um, carry optics, open, <laughs> revolver. <laughs>
5: you know what right.
7: I'm So, yes, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's the thing that people always argue about. It's like, well, you're not shooting against everybody at the match. You're only shooting against people in your division. I was like, you can say that as much as you want. But every single yeah. person shoots, they're going to go look at those overall results and see how they're stacking up.
0: Actually, I don't do that this is like, this is the first time I've done that. Like, really? Yeah. Every time, like when I get finished shooting, first thing I do is I open it up and I go straight to limited and unless like, um, when we get finished shooting and then we'll, whatever restaurant we go to after the fact, if somebody says to me, like, overall, you did this, I won't look at it I automatically. I just go straight to limited.
7: So that's something that comes from my days being in production. Um, so as you know, I shot production. When I first came into the sport, I shot limited minor for the first match or two and then really realized the point differential and what it does, major versus minor scoring. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm getting out of limited minor. And so I went over to production. I really fell in love with production. And when I first started, there was a high level of competition at a local match. You know, you'd be shooting against 10 to 15 other production shooters. And since carry optics and PCC has come along, that's just kind of the divisions has struggled a lot. And it, it was pretty normal for me to go to a match and myself and one maybe two other people shooting production so i'd always kind of have to compare myself overall against the people that i knew were good shooters to kind of see where i was at
0: so now you just made a change over to um carry optics so this is what your second or third match shooting carry optics from production
7: yeah this is my third match so i actually switched over last month and actually dave lyle hit him and uh and pops quest from over on youtube was talking to both of those those guys over at the north carolina section of carolina classic um and th- they've been hounding me for a while you know load up my mags shoot you know shoot something with a dot on it so dave let me borrow his uh he actually the the canic that i shoot he had a canic tp9 sfx with a, a vortex on it and he gave it to me and said man go load them up and have fun and so i tried it out i shot palmetto gun club down in charleston um about a month ago and actually my first carry optics match i ended up winning carry optics um turn around the following weekend and shot the mcrc monthly match and came in third to uh to pop's quest and uh and bruno beat me out in second place but my dot okay so the dot dot on the first stage and really set me back i come back from that and then after that second match it, i was like yeah i'm kind of hooked so i went ahead and had the guys over at Amex guns they went ahead and milled my slide and i bought me a seymour and slapped on top and i think i'm uh I'm here to stay in carry optics for a while and just to see how fast I can go. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: So I'm gonna dibble in um, carry optics a little bit and it's only for theory-based shooting that I came up with, me and a couple other people who I had conversations with, thinking that if you do carry optics, it will make you a better shooter on iron sights because you're looking at the red dot. And of course, the concept of shooting is different between the two. So iron sights, you're focusing on the red dot. I mean, um, focusing on the front sight post, but carry optics, you're focusing on the target versus the red dot.
7: You know? Right. That, that's a big transition. And that's something. So in my dry fire with, with the dot, um, of course, I, you know, I look at the target and I'm always target focused. Um, but in a match, you just kind of go back to muscle memory. And that's, that's a thing that I don't think a lot of people take seriously. When, it, when they start buying guns with red dots on them, not only competitive shooters, but uh, but regular everyday uh, citizens. Because we are going to where the, the technology has picked up to the point where you're going to see a majority of pistols having red dots on them. I know the law enforcement's going to it, the military's going to it. Uh, but you teach yourself when you start shooting. I mean, you've got 10, 20 years of teaching yourself to focus on the front sight boats. Your eyes can only focus on one plane at a time. Right. And you teach it and you built in this muscle memory to every time that you draw and present that your focus is on your front sight post. And you switch over to carry optics and you have to unlearn all those years of focusing on that front sight post and going to the target. And then I'm in stressful situations or really hard sections of different stages that I would find myself reverting back to looking at the dot. So that's something as an area of weakness that I identified from this Toys for Tots match that I need to kind of work on is make sure I'm staying target focused and practice and put in the time and and work that it takes to really get that down, uh, down to a degree where it's not an issue.
0: Right, now one thing I did pick up from the Toys for Tots match that I've been wanting to work on is my entry and exit into positions. But a few weeks ago, I did some training with Outdoor Dynamics and I tweaked my knee a little bit so my knee was swollen for a little bit and I'm just now coming off of that injury you know so I was kind of babying it a little bit yesterday like I,
7: I've noticed yesterday in your shooting that you were you were a little you weren't as aggressive into some positions as I've seen you be in the past
0: correct and that's uh-huh. what it was it was just I was just favoring my knee you know um, running with this new knee brace that I got on it kind of felt funny for me so I got a get used to it instead of like running around before the match. I didn't want to chance anything with running around before the match and hurting myself more. So I just decided to take it easy and then take it easier at the match, but not really push myself either, but it's coming. It is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what was your favorite stage at the match?
7: My favorite stage it's probably going to be uh, stage two um, okay. actually correction correction stage three um, stage three where you start with the four standing steel um, and turn it's the one with the swinger on it okay um, so that's more my style so I really like the the movement that's where I can really shine I can you know I'm a tall guy like you I, it takes me a little while to get up to speed but once I once I turn I can stride out and get to, to moving and shooting at the same time it's Really, that's my comfort zone. That's where I started in three-gun, just kind of moving and shooting, and that kind of combines slow slowdown, take your time, and then where you can kind of just turn the corner and just you know, let it fly.
0: I got you on that one. Um, I want to say I had two favorite stages at the match. Um, I forgot which bay it was, um, but it was the one with the door. You had to push the door down. Stage
7: four. Yep. That's okay. the stage we ended on. That, yep. that was actually, that was a fun one too. That was, it was a toss up between three and four for me, which are my two best stages, but I, I like that one a lot as well.
0: Yeah. And then um, the other one that I liked, and it was a simple stage, but I've always said a simple stage can creep up on you and surprise you and your performance won't be what you thought it was going to be. And that was the one, whereas um, you had to start with your hands on the mark, go around uh, the barrier to get your firearm, and then come back to the shooting area.
7: Yeah, so that was uh, that was stage two. Yep, yeah, that was Battle of uh, Battle of Chuba to pick, yeah. something like that.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
7: that that was a little outside. Uh, that's outside the normal uh, where you start so far away from your your pistol. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. So it made you think about a couple of things.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but on our squad, I want to say I have seen it ran four different ways, yep. you know, and that's one thing I do like about when it comes to stage planning, because if you can actually have multiple options to run an effective stage plan, that is a good stage design, you know, and, um, It was, you would think it would have been simple, but I even caught myself, even when I was doing the air rifling of doing the whole planning process. I was like, no, no, I need to take this target first because if I don't take this target first, it's gonna mess me up on my exit, you know? Um, Because my plan was to um, start on the far right because I came in on the left port. And for those of you who are looking at this on YouTube, we're going to go ahead and put up those written stage briefs so you can actually see what we're talking about. And I was aiming at the far right one first, right. Instead of taking the two, cause you either had the choice to take two on the left or the right at the very back of the stage. right? But um, what I decided to do was take that one right to alleviate taking those two shots right there. Time wise, it probably would have been the same thing, but, whatever I was thinking of at that time, it just made more sense for me to take one of them out now. And then at the same time, start backing up on the exit on those two targets. Um, Of course, you know, when I was backing up, I already realized my steps wasn't big enough. So, but of course, you know, two steps later, I'm already back at the, the beginning or the rear end of the stage, which allowed me to take that one far shot now that I left open and then the other six in the back. So, um, but that video will be coming up here pretty soon.
7: Right. Yeah. So actually that's, I really enjoy stages like that, where it's, you can shoot it four or five different ways and see that each has its own pros and cons. So it's like I said, we saw, you know, about four different stage plans just within our squad of, of eight people. Right. And then I start looking on Facebook at some of the guys that shot the match, you know, Dave and several other people and see two or three different stage plans of of ways that I hadn't seen shot or thought about to shoot it. And it's such a simple stage, but it can be, you know, it can be shot so many different ways. And those are always a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. I I love those little stages like that because when you think you got the the better one, not to say that I thought I had the better stage plan, But when I was sitting there looking at it, I was like, okay, I think this is the more effective way to run this. And I don't see any other way that you can capitalize on it. Well, then I saw somebody with PCC doing it. Of course, you know, that's going to be a different plan altogether. But then I saw an open shooter shoot it, (laughs) like a high caliber open shooter. And I was like, okay, I didn't see that one either, but I'm not going to change it because obviously when you change your plan at the last minute, you're always going to have a snafu when it's performance time.
7: Every single time. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the hard, hardest things I had to get out of when I first began competitive shooting is I go in, I get a stage plan, I get it locked in, try to burn into my memory. Right. I had to be sitting there going over and over, you know, as I got closer and closer to my shoot order. And then I would see somebody else run it. I'm like, that makes so much more sense. And yes. as I got to the shooting line, so I'm going to switch to that. And that just causes you to have to think a lot more while you're in the stage. And usually nine times out of 10, it's going to make you screw up because you're going to try to shoot your original plan and the new plan you saw. And you're just going to get lost in it. Um, so mm-hmm. that's another thing. Like I said, that's the mental game, man. It's That's where I really started taking leaps and bounds ahead in competitive shooting is when I started working on my mental game.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, I think it's a very, very you know, underrated part of competitive shooting. Yeah, you have to be able to have the skills to move and get in and out of position and be able to shoot accurately and quickly. But the mental game, I think, is is one of the biggest.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, who was that that said that to me? Was it Julie Galab or Travis Tomasi? It was one of those two when I was talking with them about shooting, and the way they broke it down was ninety percent of shooting is mental, right? Five percent is your movement. Now the other five percent is your execution and that trigger squeeze, yep. you know? And I was like, man, I, I like how that was broken down like that because if you're having a crappy day, cause I, would, I would've honestly thought like, okay, um, 90% of it is performance, <laughs> you know? But when you're actually looking at it from a scientific way, it's reversed. You know what I'm saying? Whereas 90% of it is thinking, you know? <laughs>
7: That's a big thing that I've got from listening to Steve Anderson as well, right. is that a lot of people think that, well, if I'm in a stage and I'm concentrating, then I'm locked in. But if that's not really the case. You want mm-hmm. to be concentrating in your stage planning period. You mm-hmm. want to be concentrating and shutting off all outside influence as you're getting up to the start line and shoot the stage in your head so that you've already built all the muscle memory as far as the shooting aspect, as far as the movement aspect, And in a stage, my best stages, I don't really feel like I was really fast on them, but I don't feel like I was thinking during the stage. I lock it in, I turn my body on autopilot, beep goes off, and I react. Um, And I find that if I'm trying to concentrate in the stage, generally, I end up going too too quickly, going too slowly, um, and it's just not as fluid as it is if I really lock that in and and just let my body react and, and shoot the course like I've I've built it to
0: do. Right. Well, you know, I call um Wally, my mentor, and um he's always said if you shoot a stage and you got all alphas, you're going too slow. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So you, you need to push it whereas you're almost reckless and then tone it back just a little bit, you know, whereas you understand what's going on and you're just not about the fall or hurt yourself or anything like that
7: right and that's why i always enjoy going to like the outlaw matches uh or going to the little training matches like we had over at cambodia a while back um those time plus outlaw scoring systems they really allow you to find the limits of your speed you know you kind of find where the exact point where you get out of control so Mm -hmm. when you get into a uspsa match you know exactly where that limit is you can tone it back just a hair Mm-hmm. and ride that fine line
0: oh yeah and um of course when we was going to those outlaw matches that was one thing you did say and i was just like i don't know i don't know but then when we actually did it i was like okay i see what you're saying now right because i don't really care what my performance is on an outlaw match because it's practice right
7: <laughs> you it's know? extra pressing you're finding yeah. your, your speed limit
0: right and then of course going to a USPSA match, you can open it up, but then you just need to know when to tone it down. You know what I'm saying? You can't be on fourth gear the whole time. <laughs> yeah.
7: but it, I mean, and honestly, that was my mistakes early on. The first couple stages when I just made those mental errors, like I said, I, just, I wasn't locked in, mm-hmm. and I tried to make up for it with my speed because I am right. pretty naturally quick um, and that if I don't tone it back, then I just kind of get out of control with it. And that's what happened on the first several stages. I just... I I let my brain get too far ahead. And then my body naturally wanted to speed up to try to catch up to it. Um, And I got a little out of control and it uh, ended up costing me pretty bad.
0: Yeah. And I'm the same way. Whereas when something happens and let's take stage one, for instance, I don't know why I decided to lock the slide back. And I think what it was, I saw somebody else do it. You watched me do it. (laughs) Subconsciously, I did it. right. I wasn't even, that wasn't even in my plan. Right? And of course, when I picked it up, I went on ahead and I racked it. I was like, why isn't it? Oh, snap. And then I realized, okay, slide release. And then my original plan was on that first shot, take three shots at it. And I only took two, but of course I had the mic, you know, because I hit one and then the second one didn't hit,
7: you know. Well, hey, that was a hard shot. So that first shot on that, that back target, you, you barely have a corner of it to shoot. And really with the lighting situation at the time we were at that stage, Right. Um, I believe every person on our squad, except for one, had a miss on that back left target.
0: Oh um, yeah, yeah. Just I think Jason, like, Jason was the only one that had two
7: on it. Yeah, Jason's the only one that that cleaned it. It's just because mm-hmm. the target blended in with the dirt behind it. Like, hopefully, you could see the
0: pastures and shoot those. That's what I was aiming um, at. Really, I was aiming at the pastures because yeah. I couldn't see the target. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Yeah, that's it right there. So, and like I said, overall, it was a fun match, and I love charity matches like this um the outlaw aspect of it okay i'm hit or miss on that one because it <laughs> it was a little bit overboard on a couple stages but some of the stages i was more like okay this is it right because you already know how it is around here whereas everybody talks smack to each other <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah you, hey you want it to be as close to the rules as possible, whereas you don't want to throw in it. Well, it was an outlaw match, so technically it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? But um, like I said, I just love the competitiveness amongst everybody for a great cause like Toys for Tots. So.
7: Yeah, man. So we went out to eat afterwards, and I mean, I saw... Uh,
0: oh, the place I don't like to go, but go Yeah, for the it. place go you don't it. like to go. <laughs> yeah, it's... you
7: gotta go, man. I mean, we had a crowd there. Was, there was probably, I mean, about 20, 25 of us from the match there afterwards. Um, right. It was a good time. But, I mean, we had shooters from North Carolina down. We had shooters from all the way down in Savannah, shooters from the upstate.
0: Right.
7: Um, and just goes to show you, you know, what a match like that, the kind of crowd you can draw with it. That, that was actually for a great cause. If I'm not mistaken, last year um, the club, just from the USPSA charity match, drew $4,000 in cash donations and like two truckloads of of toys. So it's always always great to see a a good charity getting backed up like that by our local club. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: Um, I think also, I think Palmetto Gun Club, they were doing a Toys for Tots last year also. Um, But I don't know about this year. Um, But then again, like I said, that was their... One of their, like, okay, we are bringing the, because they was doing renovations also.
7: Right, yeah, um, Palmetto Gun Club was closed down for almost two years.
0: Correct. Yeah, so, but I didn't hear anything about um a Toys for Tots forum this year. Because anything Toys for Tots, if it's something like that, a match, charity match or some such, I would try to make it. You
7: know, Yeah, well, and that, it certain. takes it takes a lot of coordination to hold a larger match like that. I the yep. Palmetto Gun Club, they're uh, they're just getting started back up here recently, and they have a new match director, and Chad's been doing a great job down there. Correct. Um, and they're just kind of building that back up. So once, I think once they get everything kind of back up to par to where they were before, that uh, they'll start holding it again. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely.
0: So um, what's what's next for Ryan Lee?
7: uh what's next is is probably baby season <laughs> but uh in the shooting world uh like i was telling you that match i'm probably going to take a, a little bit of a break it's kind of the end of the season this is was going to probably be one of my season ending matches um take a couple months off just make sure the house and everything's in good working order and spend a little time with my daughter and my wife and in preparation for the little one that's on the way right. um but during that time i'm going to really try to, to master that diet optic. so when next season hits and we're back up and running in the spring. Uh, I know I'm working the South Carolina section on plan on shooting Georgia state, North Carolina state uh, area six next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when those get up in the swing of things that I'm sitting up there where, where I need to be as far as my skill level goes. So I really want to kind of focus on, I've identified a lot of weaknesses are not really weaknesses, deficits in my shooting game with, with a, a dot on a pistol over the last month or so that I've been shooting it. So Going to work on those and, and just kind of get ready for next season.
0: That's it right there. Um, like I said, we all got stuff we need to work on. So, of course, you know, I'm going to do the same thing, work on what I feel I need to, to push myself, you know, because, what is that, three or four months I was having those ammo malfunctions, and it messed me up big time. <laughs>
7: I can only imagine what you went through. It was hard to watch. Man, oh, uh, man Much yeah. less like having to shoot through it.
0: Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm I'm glad to be back on track again. But um, that time period, I, I think it kind of pushed me back a little bit also. So, you know, I got to get back into the swing of things myself. So, and I'm I'm going to use the next couple of weeks to prepare. So I'm pick and choose my matches carefully um, because of the fact, you know, when it gets colder around here, um, a lot of people shoot a little bit later. And depending on what's on my calendar is the matches I can get. You know, because right. I've I've always said the Toys for Tots match is my favorite match of the year, but it's also the last match of the year for me as far as everything that I work for during that year. Right. So, um, but yeah, so I'm going to take um this off season, you know, and I would say from now until January to um, mentally prepare, physically prepare, you know, get back in decent shape and everything. And then open up the season with what, Florida, one of their, I think they do a sectional in Florida. That's the first match of the season, something like that. Right. Yeah. Well,
7: um, I also have a introduction to competitive shooting uh, class that I'm teaching. It's, it's run and gun competition fundamentals. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, Carolina Tactical Training is the one hosting it. We're actually shooting the shooting portion at uh, Sand Hills. Nice. which speaking with Shara down there, they should be opening hills for USPSA matches at the beginning of the year as well. So that's another local match that we'll have. Right. Um, and for a lot of people that stay busy on Saturdays, the good thing about hills is they usually hold their match on su- matches on Sundays. Right. So that helps a lot of people out with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anybody that's listening, if you're, you know, excited and want to get into this Florida's competitive shooting, um, come on out, take a class with us. It really is meant for people that are coming into the sport. And I really enjoy getting more people to come out and shoot. Um, But as you saw, like Tyler was there with us this weekend. Mm
0: -hmm.
7: Um, He was really, he didn't know any of the rules, what kind of gear there was, how the stages were set up, how a match was run, how to sign up. And he had all these questions and he come and, and and hung out all day and watched us. And it's really for people like that. So you come and you're prepared for your very first match when you step up that you don't have, you know, a thousand questions. Right. Uh, So looking forward to getting that going and and getting some new people introduced into the sport of competitive shooting.
1: All right.
0: Yeah. So now um, how can people reach out to you if they want to go ahead and take that course with you all? And how can everybody follow you on social media? um, to get in contact with you for other aspects of shooting as well.
7: So if you're looking for any of our courses, it's actually on Carolina carolinatacticaltraining.com. Um, you can find all of our courses listed there from our CWP courses. We have our run and gun competition fundamentals. We have advanced handgun classes, advanced, you know, carbine classes, both CQP, CQB defensive, as well as long range classes. We do private instructing as well. If anybody wants some one-on-one instructing, um, and it can all be found there through the site and we also have a lot of other helpful links for for new shooters and people want to kind of advance in in their skill level on on the website and then if you're looking for me on social media you can find me on uh, instagram at ryanj1022 of course i'm on facebook you'll see me usually post up uh, videos after after my my matches um and uh if you want to get in touch with me directly you can actually just uh, call the number on carolina tactical training and, and request Know, to speak with me and they can forward you right over to me
0: there you go right there so um go get my man ryan lee a follow and um check out their training courses um that they're offering especially if you want to get into competition shooting and it's something that is fun but i've always said for everybody who's saying they're getting a firearm for protection competition shooting might be that little bit of extra practice that you know they can show you the gaps what you're dealing with in a real life situation as well, you know?
7: That's what actually got me into competitive shooting is, Hey, it's going to, it's going to push my skill level past where I'm comfortable Mm and and shows me how I react in in stressful situations and shooting in unorthodox positions um, and shooting around barriers and stuff. And that's really what got me into it.
0: Oh yeah. I'm going to do a petition next year that these ports do not need to be lower than three feet because on Man. Day, was that, day two or three, whatever one. Yeah. Not, <laughs> that was a serious lean for me right there.
7: Yeah, I actually run into that one. And it's like, I was like, there's no way I'm going to, I'm just going to try to duck down there and do it. And I actually mm-hmm. ran into that position and dropped to a knee um, and uh, shot those four targets back there.
0: I came into it um two steps, but luckily when I did it, I timed it just right Whereas I just had my legs open enough, whereas it kept me low. It was no strain on my knees, on my back or anything. And I actually seen it, but I actually took that one target moving into it, you know, coming low like that. Right. You know, but it was still a lean that was too much unnecessary. So I'm, I'm going to do a petition about that. Us hey, tall guys
7: need to stick together. I'll be your first guy <laughs> to sign it, man. Let's get rid of the low parts. <laughs> That's it right there.
0: Well, I do appreciate you coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast and um, you already know, anytime you wanna come on to the show, all you gotta do is send me a text or a phone call and you are there.
7: Absolutely, Mike, I really enjoyed it.
0: Hey, that's it right there. So if everybody will, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors.
4: Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to Specialized forty Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with OutdoorDynamics and we're always here for you, happy to answer any questions you have.
3: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked-up prices that come with a brick-and-mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers, Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
6: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've ever tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com. And I look forward to seeing you at the range soon.
5: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer boltron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com.
6: I'm Jason Pratt, Master Class USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com.
1: Thank you.
2: Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org.
0: Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site, where you can even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please... Go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.